and welcome to Upleveling Work, a podcast about the strategies and solutions that real people are using for improving their work life so they can make a bigger impact and find more connection and fulfillment along the way. I'm your host, Michelle K. Anderson, and I'm an executive coach and the creator of the Conscious Leadership Framework. I'm on a mission to increase the diversity of leadership at organizations. And the work that I do as a coach is all about empowering women and other marginalized people to become leaders who gracefully navigate complex work environments with confidence. Join me here each week to learn how to create high-performing teams without working more or burning out. This is episode six, how I use the Enneagram to help teams. I'm Michelle K. Anderson, and I'm excited to bring you this two-part series on four ways that you can use the Enneagram to help improve performance at work. I recorded this episode after conducting a team workshop with a group that I've been working with for a couple of years, and I was celebrating the fact that we did some really deep work over a couple of days and how that opportunity becomes available to teams when you've been working with a system like the Enneagram for a bit. So I thought I'd share specifics on how you can apply the Enneagram at work so you can evaluate if this might be a good fit for you. Typically, managers who are working on team building might have the team take a personality test or bring in an expert to conduct a workshop. But often within like a week, things seem to go back to normal. Working with a system like the Enneagram allows you not just to understand each other better, but to begin to identify interventions and pattern changes that will move the needle for you collectively. But working with a system like the Enneagram is a little bit different in that it allows you not just to understand each other better or to put each other into categories, right? But it allows you to begin to identify specific interventions and patterns that you can change that are gonna move the needle for you collectively. The conscious leaders that I work with know that categorizing people is not a useful way to build connection. Okay, so the four main things that I tend to work on with teams when I'm using the Enneagram are leadership development, identifying the strengths and weaknesses of your team style, improving relationships on the team, and becoming more effective communicators. Let's start by looking at leadership development specifically. In 21st century organizations, every employee is encouraged to think of themselves as a leader. And that tends to come from the seemingly endless set of challenges that go beyond just doing your job. Being a leader in this new world means dealing with the fast pace of change, the need to improve communications to foster better collaboration, and the need to relate to an increasingly diverse workforce and stakeholders. Now, more than ever, we need reliable tools to help decode and resolve the misunderstandings and relationship problems that happen all the time in business. One of the mistakes that managers make when they get promoted or take on responsibility for a new team is that they try to adopt a new leadership style or to strengthen their leadership style, typically by modeling it after maybe a mentor or the previous manager or someone who has been successful at the organization. But the type of leadership development that I'm interested in is helping you to trust your unique style and the gifts that you bring and the perspective that you have about the work that needs to be done. We don't just need one kind of leader, right? There is a lot of value in organizations and having a diverse set of experiences and personalities that are leading the way. 
Warren Bennis, an author, scholar, and leadership expert, is quoted as saying, becoming a leader is synonymous with becoming yourself. It is precisely that simple, and it is also that difficult. And Peter Hawkins, who's also an author, leadership professor, and management consultant, thinks that to develop leadership is less about learning new skills and more about unlearning habits and breaking free from limiting mindsets we already have acquired. I love the idea of thinking about leadership development as a homecoming to who you really are and the potentiality that already exists inside of you. And working with the Enneagram types can help you really embrace what makes you unique and to see the ego defensiveness that might be getting in the way or become unconscious habits that are no longer serving you. It also allows you to access the wisdom of all three of your centers, your mind, body, and heart, so that you can lead from a more grounded place and access a deeper source of wisdom. According to research by Daniel Goleman and others, the key factors in developing high-quality leadership are self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Self-awareness is the ability to be mindful or conscious about what you do, how you do it, and why you do it. And emotional intelligence is the ability to recognize, understand, and manage your own emotions and the capacity to recognize, understand, and empathize with the emotions of others. Imagine I'm drawing a graph that's divided into four quadrants. Along the horizontal axis, we have emotional intelligence. And on the vertical axis, we have self-awareness. So then across the bottom, we have leaders who are not self-aware. And across the top, we have ones that are highly self-aware. And on the left of this graph, we have leaders who have low emotional intelligence. And on the right, ones that have higher emotional intelligence. If we were to put a name to each of these quadrants, I might call the lower left quadrant that has low emotional intelligence and low self-awareness task managers. These folks will put their head down and do what they're asked to do. As long as the rules are clear, they're good to go. As a leader develops higher self-awareness, but maybe they still have low emotional intelligence, so we're in the upper left quadrant here, I might call this the egocentric architect. The high self-awareness makes them acutely aware of their own needs and desires, but they can be blind to the needs of other people because they have low emotional intelligence. These guys tend to be outlaws and a little bit oblivious, and their self-interest tends to drive them a little bit more, which is why I call them the egocentric architects. They're often quite smart and know how to get things done. Okay, so now we go over to leaders who have high emotional intelligence. So... In the lower right quadrant, you have high emotional intelligence and low self-awareness. I might call these leaders empathic martyrs, right? They're very attuned to the needs of other people, but a little bit blind to their own patterns and needs. They can be self-sacrificing and super warm. And finally, you have leaders with high emotional intelligence and high self-awareness in that upper right quadrant. These leaders I call resilient visionaries because they are self-aware of their own strengths and limitations of those strengths and the patterns that tend to get in their own way. And they have high emotional intelligence so they can self-regulate. They can attune to the needs of other people and even see into the environment. These are folks that have better access to the wisdom of all three 
centers of intelligence. And so that allows them to be more creative and innovative because they can see things more clearly. The idea here is that working with the Enneagram can help you develop both self-awareness and emotional intelligence in a way that can help you collectively move up and into that upper right quadrant. Okay, so that is how I use the Enneagram to work on leadership development. The second area that I use the Enneagram to help teams reach their full potential is by running the Integrative Enneagram's team report, which creates a team profile. And with that profile, I'm able to identify the strengths, weaknesses, and risks associated with your current team style. We look at the dominant style on your team and the two supporting styles that are coming up underneath it. Like you get this bar chart that shows you for each of the nine styles where you rank. And so it's really easy to visually see which style you might be overusing and which ones are supporting and coloring the certain strengths that you have on your team. But it also identifies the lowest use styles on your team to help you understand where you might have a weakness or a blind spot. So seeing these imbalances visually can help name some dynamics that might be playing out on your team that you didn't fully understand or couldn't put your finger on. And the combination of all of this knowledge starts to help us identify risks associated with relying on our strengths too much or some of those blind spots so that as you're planning your project, you can mitigate those risks or plan to get more data or to pull in more resources depending on how risk averse you are or what resources are available to you. This is also where we use Tuckman's stages of development and overlay that with the Enneagram styles. So you can look at how your team style shows up in each of those stages of development that we talked about in episode two and pinpoint specific interventions that are going to help you accelerate through those stages of development faster so that you can get to high performance as a team more efficiently. Okay, so that's the second way we're identifying strengths, weaknesses, and risks associated with your team style. So that covers the first two ways that I work with teams to improve performance using insights from the Enneagram. Cultivating your unique leadership style and identifying the strengths and weaknesses of your team style. These are the first steps in becoming a more empowering conscious leader. In the next episode, I'm going to cover building trust and becoming more effective communicators. Because I go into detail on Enneagram patterns in the next episode, you might want to brush up on the system if it is new to you. In addition to the free content available on my blog at michellekanderson.com forward slash Enneagram 101, I also have a course that breaks it all down for you in under two hours. You can find that at michellekanderson.com forward slash Enneagram for Teams. If you already know that you want access to this type of information for your team and are interested in running a team report, you can DM me or go to michellekanderson.com forward slash services to learn more. And if you have a specific question that you want me to answer on this podcast, you can go to uplevelingwork.com, click on leave a voicemail, and I'll get in touch with you for a future episode. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Upleveling Work. To view the complete show notes and all the links mentioned in today's episode, visit uplevelingwork.com. That's where you can search by the episode number in order to find the transcripts and any downloads or resources mentioned in the podcast. That's also where you can find my 10 Mistakes Managers Make ebook, 
which explains the most common mistakes managers tend to fall into. My intention is to save you the wasted time and energy that these failed solutions cost you. That way you can become a more effective leader while playing to your natural strengths. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can receive new episodes right as they're released. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to ask you to leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Reviews are one of the major ways new podcasts get noticed, and it would really make a difference if you could take a minute to write a review. Thank you for joining me, Michelle K. Anderson, on this episode of Upleveling Work. I'll see you next time.